0: Welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure to have a friend of mine, Rick Seehilm, on. And Rick is an amazing person. I've known him for as long as I've known people, pretty much since I was a really young kid. Uh, we grew up in the same town. He is a re- he's a really brilliant musician. He has written this new album called Blue Wing. That just um, he talks about it during the interview, but he essentially improved it, and it's about his um, his mother struggling with disease and in his own um, issues with um, Parkinson's and. I don't know, I just, I'm totally blown away by Rick. I I hadn't been in touch with him for a few years and um, since then he's actually been kind enough to help me out with some of my, um, some of the rap songs I'm working on. And even with just a few back and forths, he's helped me so much with my flow and just understanding music better. So I'm eternally grateful to him for that. So uh, I definitely recommend you check out Blue Wing by Rick Sehome. Google it, it's on his Bandcamp page. It's really worth a listening. I've checked it out numerous times since um, this interview and it's, um, yeah, it's very special. So uh, check out Rick, follow him on social media. His um, information is underneath him on the YouTube video and in the show notes for the audio only version. So thank you very much. I'll talk to you next time. Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. My guest today is somebody that I've known for as long back as I can possibly remember, Rick Seaholm. How you doing, Rick?
1: Awesome. Thanks.
0: I was scared you were going to tell me that I said your name wrong after that. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> like
1: actually, no, we... um, saw Sahelm. <laughs> yeah, we go
0: back quite far yeah yeah we're both from hoppington and i think you were there early on as was i kind of i think i moved to town in like preschool so
1: (laughs) yeah so i was um probably a couple years ahead of you
0: yep yep i think
1: you're two years older than me so so
0: we're today so we're here talking about i don't want to get off off subject too quickly um (laughs) your new album blue wing um I I listened to this album for the first time today, and spoiler alert, less than a few hours ago, your words in the liner notes in the music brought me to tears. So congratulations!
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's um <laughs>
0: the album is beautiful. It's um I I was looking at how it's labeled on Bandcamp, and I it says classical ambient or ambient ambient. Oh, where that came from? Yeah. Meditative sense. It, it is sort of all that, and it's. There are moments where it feels very classically inspired and, and other moments where there are these little like turns and twists where there's something else and i there was one moment i think maybe on track three i was like that feels like a little beatles influence and i don't know i hmm. i really enjoyed it and um thank you it, it's excellent so so what why don't you talk a little bit about where this album like how this came about or just um about what do you got
1: going on yeah absolutely um well Thanks a lot for having me on. I'm delighted to get to talk talk about any of this stuff. Um, So this album came about this winter. Uh, It's inspired um, by a situation where my mom uh, ended up in the hospital just uh, three days before Christmas. It was um, an unexpected turn. I was working from home that day, fortunately, and my dad called up and said, you got to come over here. I need some help. And uh so my sister and I and uh, our spouses all raced over there, and we ended up getting her in the hospital, and it took her nine weeks to get back home and she did she did get home, but um, nine weeks is a long time to be wondering, and there were a number of times where you know things were a little touch and go, but maybe more so in our minds than than not and um,
0: especially now her hospital seemed to want
1: to send people home so quickly so just somebody being there for so long you'd think totally totally you know so she had um, an infection on her leg and um, it took quite a while to heal and when the hospital was done with her um, she ended up in a rehab that's part of the nine weeks Um, but yeah during that period I really had um, a lot on my mind and um, just began to explore it musically. And I um yeah, so I'd love to talk about anything that you want to, particularly. So is this your first um real
0: album? Is, is this the first time because I, I know you have some other singles out there on your bandcamp, yeah. but is this the first time you've really sat down to do something from, from front to end?
1: Yeah, so um I've been musical my whole life. Um going back as as long as I've known you, I've yeah. been musical. I remember. Um, but the way that I've been thinking about it a lot lately is that it's always been like a reactionary musician. Um, when you're a performer, when you're a choral conductor like I am, um, a singer, whatever, uh, you're generally given a blueprint by the composer or it's a chart or a lead sheet or something. And you're kind of within the bounds of um, of the culture or the the idiom itself and maybe the locale of where it was written, where you have certain amounts of leeway to do something with it. Um, but just in the last couple of years, I've started to really begin to think about letting some of the stuff in my head out, um, which one could call composing, but I always picture that as having you know a, a pen and writing it all out. Um, so, of course, that's shifted quite a bit. Uh, in the current day so like many of the people that are on your show wouldn't call themselves maybe composers but that's that's exactly what they're doing right Um, and so I've been taking that seriously for a couple of years now and um, really trying very hard to come up with the right thing to release Um, that that first step was really the hardest for me there was something that I was working on last spring and I wanted to release it. And then I stumbled and it didn't happen. And then I thought, Oh, adapt it a bit and I'll do it in the fall. And it didn't happen. So come, um, New Year's Eve, New Year's day. I said, I want to do this. I want to say that in 2022, I did that. So I put out that one of the singles that you would have seen there. And then that kind of just opened the faucet where I was suddenly saying, okay, people know what I'm trying to do. Right. It's probably not the best that it'll ever be. It's certainly not the best that it'll ever be. And it's, you know, not, um, the best that's out there, but at least I'm out there. And I think that that was one of the major, the major hurdles for me was getting the first thing out. And so, um, to answer your question, I mean, this is the a wrong way around, but, um, yeah, it is the very first full-length thing that I've done. And um and I'm really proud of it. So it is
0: interesting. What they one of the best encouragement I always got as an art I got as an artist was that to do the thing that only you could do. And I feel hmm. that when I listened to this album, I was like, wow, this is something that felt very particular to you in that. I've always known you to be somebody who, you know, I know I knew you you'd done some church music in your day. I know you'd played piano. Like you like, you know, a lot a lot of people growing up, you know, we're playing guitars and stuff like that. You had a more, I don't know, formal is the word, or maybe classically, whatever oriented and I could feel and all of that is obviously very front and present but there are these other little moments that remind me of sort of your personality of like you're also that you're also sort of like the, the goofy person too with like the Simpsons like you sort of hit both of those notes as a human and I feel this in my in the music as well where it comes together the thing that I really want to ask you most about, over the album is like the last the end of epilogue like mm. the last note but <laughs> what, what's, uh, what's going on there? I love, I went back and listened to that, that, that the last like 30 seconds, a few times. And I was like, oh, I love that. I don't know why, but I do.
1: Thanks. Thank you so much. So, um, so the blue wing suite, if you will, is nine movements. Uh, there are 10 tracks on the album, but the, the 10th really isn't part of it. So this epilogue that, uh, you're referring to is the end of track nine and, Um, throughout uh, in the liner notes, I've I've tried to give the listener hints of what I want them to be thinking of. And it says in the liner notes, everything here is perfectly laid out for my story, but your story might be different. And so on the previous track, um, the liner notes, uh, this is when um, we're finally able to visit her at the hospital after a quarantining from an unfortunate flu bug that went around and so on and um and it says i'm never leaving you and then you get to this epilogue number nine and it says never have and that that's all that it is um and so the story really is about my parents it's about the way that older couples and i mean older as in longer term um, the ways that they deal with each other, the ways that they love each other, even if sometimes you are looking at them from an outsider and saying, "Man, that's crass," or "How could you do that?" Doesn't don't you realize what they have been through for you, and this one has been through for you? So, at the end of epilogue, um, the the story isn't finished. You know, she got out of the hospital and or the rehab and she's still 79 years old she's going to be back in the hospital at some point in fact she was just about two weeks ago yeah. uh, it, it's that's going to be a part of life and we're I think, at the point
0: of our lives where we're taking care of our parents and they're not taking care of us you
1: know totally much. totally yeah. and so um the ending there it's as you said it's just very abruptly ending it, it's in my eyes you know, the, the lid on the piano just coming down and just, that's it. Because the the question to me at that point is, well, what are you going to do about it? Um, doctor says, do this and you'll be better. And, you know, try this, do these treatments, these exercises. Don't forget to call this person, follow up. Are you going to do that? And I'm not saying that, like, to be confrontational with my mom, but that's what we're all facing. Every one right. of us goes... Every one of us gets an advice list after we go to our annual physical. What are you going to do?
0: Right. And it's in those can sometimes be very exhausting because it's, you know, in the yeah. moment you want to do everything, but then it's you're fighting with insurance companies. You're fighting with your doctor telling you this person's the best and you call them and they won't even return your calls. It's, it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's like taking care of yourself is hard. Um, and there's yeah. so much conflicting advice and it's so easy to get the advice you want online. It's, you know which might not be the advice you actually need it's um True. Yeah, yeah i have definitely found in my life that the when you go to a doctor prepared you get better service like if you mm-hmm. go in, like being able to sort of really communicate well and show that you care about your health, that it's always been my experience that it's been a better outcome. You know, so and I gotta say, you look great. I mean, you're a couple years older than me. You look healthier than a lot of, I'm not going to name names, but healthier than a lot of people that I see. Uh, you want to go know. through
1: my yearbook? Or yeah, I know. Let's <laughs> point out
0: some pictures. I mean, I this this hair you are going, man. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty envious. <laughs> I didn't have Thank that you. hair when I was 20
1: thanks Tim um but yeah I totally agree with you and um and you know a large part of what I'm what I am the way I'm experiencing the world right now um is that uh, in 2019 I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease it's um something that I'm well well open about and it's totally true what you just said and it's as if you uh Feed this up, but we haven't spoken prior. Um, I'm very young to have Parkinson's disease, so you typically experience or expect that to be something for people in my parents' generation. Right. Um, When you are still in the prime of your life and dealing with a job and dealing maybe with children and and so on, they they tend to call that young onset um which there's no age limit uh many people are now saying well it's probably more of the cultural thing that you're still trying to live and not live I don't mean that right I, mean that. I just mean I know what you're saying you yeah. know make a living for one right um and that, you're still keeping a
0: busy busy life where it's like you're juggling multiple things have a lot of responsibilities
1: yeah and So I've found that a lot of people that are and that end up getting diagnosed young um, have had to do that advocacy for themselves, and it's exactly what you just said. You you go to a doctor that specializes in what's this shoulder thing? My arm's not swinging. Mm -hmm. They see your arm not swinging and they say, "Oh, I'll help your arm." And then you say, "I'm going to go to this guy because I'm having I'm choking when I sing. I used to sing." you know, that was my job. And now I'm choking when I sing. And they're going to help your voice. But, you know, what we need is uh, Dr. House, MD, right? Someone who writes that all up on the wall and says, okay, this is what you've got. But you have to do that yourself. And I don't know if that's peculiar to the United States system or the world in general, but you got to do that. And, um, and because I did, I, I, I got my answer finally. And, um, and thank goodness, cause I've been able to take some, some measures in the last couple of years to slow down the progression of something that won't ever get better.
0: Right. Well, that's, I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, I'm glad that you're taking the steps and, you know, you obviously doesn't mean anything, but like I said, you look great. You know, hopefully you're feeling great more often than not. Um, thank you. It's, uh, you know, stay healthy. It's Yeah. Um so this did this album come out of um of that as well? I mean is that is there is there is there a reaction there that led to this? Any connection or
1: Yeah, totally. Um I think that everything that I write at least the way that I l- listen back to it is there's a longing there. There's mm-hmm. there's some even the happier tunes have some sort of pain and longing built into them and it's not something intentional it's just it's coming from my heart um so yeah that i I just don't see that you can possibly separate those two parts you know the what's going to come out as are you as an artist and what you're going through i mean you can either suffer with that quietly and on your own or you can try to get it out there if if for no other reason than for yourself so some people I mean even that even if that's journaling and then stuffing it under your mattress I'm fine with that do it for yourself right and I'm sure that you experience the same thing with with your art it's visual uh, typically the the art that I'm thinking of though I know that you're you do a lot of things but um, you can't help but see what you've been going through right if you look back It's some stuff you did 10 years, 20 years ago, you, that becomes a a part of your experience.
0: It is to that degree. It's funny that when I make music, especially I find that with my music, it, um, the the um i i can't just sit with an the the emotion that comes out of the music is somehow not equal to the emotion that goes into it. And, it, it and that i mean that it's very rare that i can control the emotion of a music a piece i'll make something i'll sit with it and i'll and then it won't be till weeks later that i feel the emotional weight of it and it, i think it's because it's so purely hmm. channeling through me that i'm not really thinking about that but i often make things that um that maybe don't match what I would even listen to on my own, but I just kind of let it come out of me and and kind of sit back and look at it from there. And there's, there's definitely a lot of that. when I look back at my older pieces and you can see like little pieces of yourself. That's something that comes mm-hmm. up a lot on this podcast is that our relationship yeah. with our older work. And yeah. um, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you have stuff from years ago? Is, is this album mostly stuff that's brand new? Or is it, is it th- maybe thoughts you've had in your head for years that you finally put down or
1: um no um this this entirely came from one improv session that i did on december 12th so it this entire album here.
0: came from one improv session
1: yeah the, the whole thing holy crap so, <laughs> so what what i typically do is um just you know, i'll come home from work i have a full-time job come home get a little settled and then um if i'm if i'm in the if I'm in the mood and have the ability because with Parkinson's, sometimes your fingers don't work. So, um, will just sit down at my MIDI keyboard with logic running and just turn it on and, and go for it. And kind of like you were just talking about with your older, your previous self. And in this case, it might be a shorter term thing than, than you're speaking of. But, um, so I did this all, Um, on December 12th and then I listen back and I, I like to listen to what I've done and as I begin to think and work with it in my head or say does this work or let's get rid of that let's try to use this and you know you're kind of laying out this plan I feel like that's when it starts to take on the influence of what I'm going through So the reason that I'm being clear that this was from earlier in December is because the events of the album's program, so to speak, come weeks later. So it's not like I sat down and said, oh, I'm really sad that my mom has flu. What does that sound like? So in this particular case, I was just listening to this, say, 45-minute thing over and over in the car or whatever. And then maybe that particular day, I was really upset because she got the flu and we can't see her or we can't go to see her house on Christmas day with her in the chair. And then I say, Oh, that kind of makes me think of this. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a happenstance way that this happened. Um,
0: There's a lot of planning go into a, you know, a 45 minute improv session that, that can produce an album like this. Cause I mean, I've, I've sat down and improv for 45 minutes and it's not, not, there's usually about 30 seconds of it that I think is worth sharing. But did, was this, like, do you have, could you sit down and do another one tomorrow, I guess? Like, what, and that really um, blows me away. Well, thanks. Having um, just heard it, especially, I just, I, you know, wow.
1: Yeah. Um, the reason that I, so this, this being the the first thing that I've released, I've certainly created other things that just didn't make the cut or you know weren't as timely Uh, I wanted I wanted to get this done and into my mom's hands for when she came home and Mm -hmm. and I did do that um so that's why it raced to the front of the line um but one thing that I've found with this particular one which in classical terminology would be considered program music it's kind of got a story and it's loose but you know there are things that you're trying to evoke it's not just like symphony number no. 5 in g right. it's it's a crafted tale of sorts um i guess you might say it's like a concept album or something in more you know pop terms i'm less familiar with that idiom so i'm not entirely sure but that's kind of what i'm thinking and i find that when you are acting off of one session, you start themes that were in your head 10 minutes ago, come back. You know, you can't really help that from happening. So in order to have that full experience where everything seems related, I have found that it helps to have them all come from the same root file. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the way that I've always done things in the last number of years but uh, for this project it certainly helped to tie themes together and and um, i think it's kind of fun
0: and it's just it's occurring to me now that something like that is obviously the fact that you've been playing for so long and your understanding of this music is is at you know a, a really high level like how music works in and how its format and how it fits together you know having that level of experience really gives you that that really strong framework to be able to just create and and just fill it in with these you know lush feelings and it is so Mm. emotional it's it's um it's beautiful music i i I mean you know a lot of times i'll i'll get really deep into one artist for this podcast or something else and then i'll love it and then i'll move past it but i know this will be something that i'll listen to you know a lot more
1: thank you so much and i hope you do more of it Yeah, it certainly, um, it's feeling very fertile right now. There's a lot going on that I, that I want to express. And I honestly feel like I'm starting to, I'm still wicked new at it. I'll be totally candid about that, but I do feel like I'm starting to find my voice, you know, Mm -hmm. that's critical that you need to be authentic to yourself and, and, um, I think everything that you create, if you're authentic to yourself in the moment, then you're not going to feel bad about it in the future. You're not going to say, oh, that was, I was putting on airs. So I was a different person then. Right. If if something I did in high school sounds kind of oaky, well, I was in high school. Right. I, w- I was still exuding some emotion from whatever it was. Um, and so I find that that's, you know, true
0: to me one and we talked a little bit about the you referenced the liner notes earlier and you know a lot of times albums come with liner notes and I have the best intentions to read them and I get about uh, a sentence in and I'm just drifting but these were pulling me in more and more Um, and I'll tell you the part that I started crying was the line um, didn't I earn compassion and when I read that I was just like all right (laughs) like i mean it's just it's just hitting me and i was listening to the music at the same time and i was just like i had to take a beat it's um yeah this is um um and i just i'm do you mind if i just read this first paragraph here just to give some perspective um so this is i'm gonna put on my spectacles here i'm gonna sit up (laughs) in my chair and um, very look at i know because i i feel like And unfortunately, there's a little bit of hand cream on these lenses. So I have to reading through a little bit of a smudge, but I think I can get it. All right. So this is from the liner notes from uh, from Rick's album, Blue Wing. In my first 20 years of marriage and having recently calculated that we have been together for over half our lives, I have had a lot of time to think about the choice, the sacrifice, the vows. When we are fresh in a relationship, we move headstrong, thinking of the present and the near future. But seldom do we think about what truly lies ahead. It's hard, if not impossible, at 20, 30, likely even 50 or 60 to consider how we will evolve as we move forward together. How many of us how many of us would even have the courage, the audacity, I might say, to set forth on a path that will inevitably lend to the broken day when it somehow ends and two becomes one? Looking at an older couple as they move about the world, it's unclear who is helping whom, one at a time or maybe both. And then I'll just, as one last sentence that I really like. Blue Wing is a study of unity threatened. Study of unity threatened. I read that a few times and i like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful short sentence that really does sum it up. Like, man, those are some great liner notes and they go on from there, but it really you really punched me in the gut, Rick.
1: Thank you. I, I, um... Well done. Well done. I've always I've always been fascinated by elderly people. Um, and I'm really quite struck and saddened by the fact that the people that are two generations ahead of us are drifting away. Right. And I still hang out with old people, but now they're my parents' age. And I miss the people that are my grandparents' age. And there's a few at my church, and I will cling to them as long as i possibly can because there's just something about being that distance apart from someone right. and i'm sure it's the same reason that they love having grandkids and great grandkids it's there's something special about that and as i get older and and with what i'm going through you you start to you start to see that in yourself so that the part there of who's taking care of whom, one at a time, or maybe both—it's um, trying to be poetic there in a way. But we're all helping each other at some point, right? And we're all being helped at the same time. So I'm glad that that glad that spoke to you.
0: Right. It's funny because I, you know, at the beginning of relationships, it's like it's it's all it's like we're always trying to impress the other person. And we're always trying to, I guess, maybe in some ways, make ourselves look bigger and be in, like reassure each other. But mm-hmm. it, as the relationship evolves, it's really just about being there, and it's about having done the listening along the way to know how that person needs you to be there. Yeah, and it's something you can't do when you're in your as well when you're in your twenties. It's it's something that has to come with time, and you have to. It also occurs to me too that we're one of the first generations that kind of grew up with relationships being one way. And then time has changed almost what it means to be in a relationship because so much has changed over the course of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea of being with somebody for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I mean, I I can think of very few people from our background who are going to have the, you know, time invested already to make it there you know i mean right. i know i'm not you know i'm i'm on year i think three of a relationship and uh you know mm-hmm. spent 11 years with one person but it's um it means it's 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 different now and we 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 live yeah. these very different fragment lives and culturally things are so many different even though you know we're all kind of live together it's i don't know it's i, I think what you're saying with the album is really beautiful
1: yeah well i appreciate that it's um it certainly is a uh, a labor of love and and my whole goal was to say something about the moment that my parents are going through but not i wrote them um i gifted them an album code for this you know and i said um i hope you'll enjoy it or at least at least at most um that i don't offend you i mean that's that's all what was their
0: what was their reaction
1: um, my, I, I'm not entirely sure if my mom has heard it yet because she's still up in the air with, uh, she did end up in rehab again and, and she's having a tough time. Um, my dad has definitely listened to it and she's read the notes and she said she's read them several times. Um, he called me up one day, it was so cute. And he said, um, I've listened to this. And he had actually taken notes on every track, which wow. is super cute. Uh, I really thought that was touching. And um, his, his, um, his uh, enjoyment of music is often different than mine. And so there are a few things he'd say, like the track number and then say, is everything okay? Are you okay? I yeah, I'm fine. Just, <laughs> that's that's what was going through my mind at the time. And it's funny because it's not like it's avant-garde or something. But to him, uh, to be to be music, you need to be something I can whistle in the shower. He's oh. said that for years. <laughs> so if it doesn't have a prominent tune that's repeated three or four times, then...
0: You're not a big Sonic uh, Youth fan, I'm guessing. <laughs> probably not.
1: <laughs> uh, probably not. But um, yeah, it, they certainly um, are appreciative of the gesture and um he can certainly recognize what went into it whether or not you know it's his favorite thing or not
0: that's really nice that i've definitely found that there's a double-edged sword when you share when i think at least for me when i share my art with the people closest to me and my family and you never really like i've made a goal the past few years that Everything I do is with the intention of hitting strangers now. It's no longer about, you know, trying to hit the people close to me, but I don't really make music that is, you know, personal in that way. Um, I think I'm really happy that you were able to get such a genuine reaction out of out of your parents for that. It's it's often a struggle for me that when I try to do something so personally, you know, I can draw something that'll do it. But when I try to do it musically, it doesn't work. They're just like, what? I don't get it.
1: Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, I I right. think um I think early on here I'm trying to touch a few people that I feel are owed something. I, I recently let out a, a single for my niece and I did one for my um for my nephew uh, on the unreleased album, another thing for my mom and, you know, gradually that won't be as important to me perhaps. Right. Um, Um, to touch a few people
0: who feel owed is i think i I, that's a really nice that that really relates to me because there's part of that that i'm trying to do with this podcast where there's people out there that i know that are super special and super awesome and i want other people to know about them and i want Hmm. i want them to also know that i take their art seriously because i think it's um when you when you're somebody who makes art i always encourage everybody who i think needs to hear this is that to take your own art seriously don't like downplay it don't be like i'm just this 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 is socks but the Mm -hmm. one i'm working on is better and um i just i i want to show other people that their art is something i take seriously as well and i think that there's many different ways to be a successful artist Mm
1: -hmm. well you're just certainly doing that with this podcast i i've seen the back catalog now and it's it's very genuine very heartfelt and i love the way you're doing it
0: Appreciate it. And and like, earnestness is something that I think, and you seem like you're a very earnest person. It's something that I've come to cherish as I've gotten older than when I recognize that in somebody people that are just willing to to not hide from their emotions to, you know, in the case of what you're doing and what I do, amplifying our emotions, saying that we're not we're not scared to admit that we're fighting something that's scary and we're not scared to have feelings about it and to express those feelings and try to make the best out of those feelings. I think that's mental health comes up a lot in this podcast as well. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's art for me has been a save in that regard, you know. So. It's yeah, like even the Simpsons, same. like you have behind you. It's like when we were younger. There, I mean, I grew up in a house without cable. Like in in, I mean, I'm say I say that like I'm like yo, feel bad for me, but no, but like it was like there was just like only a few. It stations. wasn't
1: in our town.
0: I know it wasn't. Like you know, <laughs> it was funny up until 1990. You could call somebody in our town by only pushing five buttons on the phone.
1: <laughs> it was <laughs> you crazy. Know? It was like we were in a building together.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it was It's basically what it's like. And I've probably been in buildings with more people in them than at one time than it were in our town back then, you know? Yeah. But like The Simpsons were something that um, I really latched onto a lot during that time period because there was really nothing else. There were very few things that were subversive in that way that were both for children, but for adults. And it was like there was other things on Fox, but Merited Children doesn't really hit the same notes as Simpsons does. It's it's um and it was for me, it was one of those I, I talk about my development in those years. It's like I felt like Boston might have been an hour away, but it might as well have been a hundred hours away. Like it didn't mm-hmm. like in our it felt like I was living in a very small town and that there was really no the only thing I knew of the outside world is what I heard on Love Line, what I saw on the Simpsons, what I read about in like Spin magazine. So, when there was something like The Simpsons, it just blew, it was like when everything, when you felt so small in your world, something like that to me was so huge to show me there was a bigger world. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, when you have, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing to me how much comfort i mean you look behind me some of these action figures behind me i literally played with in the in the tub when i was in kindergarten and now they're still on my wall and there's probably something psychological
1: about that that's awesome
0: but i don't know of it um yeah, so the, you meant, yep go for it
1: no just um the simpsons for me I, I don't know how rich they were for you but like that was everything to me and mm-hmm. it that was at a time where there wasn't always new content coming out like right now you can't keep up you know oh no you have no No. chance but with that i mean i had the vhs tapes and they were labeled neatly and i was um, fastidious about that and i was watching some on disney plus the other you know a couple weeks ago yeah and i said to my wife i can't believe how many of the things that i used to say constantly were from this one episode which was the uh Balooza. i funny
0: that was the first episode i thought about when we started talking with the simpsons because that one for me was a really important one
1: and she um she just i I think it was the last time
0: i saw billy corgan with hair was that episode
1: (laughs) she gave me this disdain and just said yeah you tried to impress me with all and like like i'm on to you i knew it at the time i was like yeah but i'm really original now
0: Do you have any go-to Simpsons lines you say, like, in your everyday life? Because I always say, thanks, door. That's a big one for me. The one where, um, you know what I'm saying. Thanks, (laughs) door. And then I always say, every time I park my car, remember, we parked in the itchy lot. From itching scratch. That one I say. And those are the two that I feel
1: like I say the most. That's good. I I seem to constantly pronounce possibly, possibly, (laughs) which was uh, flying into the fake Jurassic Park. Was (laughs) it... Was that itching and scratching, man? I think that was, yeah. And he says, nothing good Possibly I, I go, wrong. go wrong. That is <laughs> the first thing that ever went wrong. Um, And just yesterday, I did the, uh, are they saying boo <laughs> I can't remember. We were watching some news bit, and they are booing the people. Are they saying boo urns? Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I call the big it's... one bitey is another one. And I and I also sometimes will find myself just mumbling, Batman's
1: a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just everything was so rich, just yeah, beautiful comedy. And and like we were saying beforehand, it still is. It's it's slightly different because they've done everything. But God bless them.
0: I know. I I kind of I, I I'm in a bunch of Simpsons groups on Facebook, and like every other group on Facebook, it turns into a dumpster fire fire of like transphobic lunacy like four times a day. But the little, every once in a while, when there's something pure that comes through, it just really um, makes my life, you know. But yeah, I don't know. Good stuff. Um, So you mentioned something before about MIDI, and it hadn't. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's funny when I listened to the album, I was really kind of stuck in the moment. I hadn't actually thought about. The construction of it, like whether, mm. um, especially when you said it was sort of an Im- like you know an improv session, that got really got my brains Garen. So, mm. is MIDI for me was one of those things. So, if people don't know it's was a it musical instrument digital interface. Is that mm-hmm. right? Which is basically a way that it's if you look at if you're playing piano, for example, it saves everything you're doing except for the sound. Like it saves like the the notes that you're hitting, the pressure and the duration you're hitting them from, and therefore that can be. That information is saved, you know, and then you can put, you can, you can, you can play it with different sounds. So you can play it like it's a cello, you can play it like it's um a drum even or whatever, and you can drastically change the tones of it. So it's a very, very powerful thing. Um, it's used for probably almost any any dance, any pop song, you know, probably, you know, somewhat for hip hop, but not as yeah. much. Um, have you been working with MIDI for a while? And was it was it was it when you started doing it, was it a big change from, you know, your roots of
1: Yeah, that. <laughs> that for sure. Um yeah, when I first was using MIDI, it was in like the night, know, well, it was around you know, early nineties and um
0: using midi in the early 90s i
1: think so wow i know i know it definitely I, was around but i just you you yeah. you had
0: about 15 20 years on me
1: <laughs> well yeah when i was in high school i remember my dad and i went down to worcester and bought um bought a, a notation software and uh you could play three notes at once i was <laughs> so like wow this is amazing wow um, yeah but yeah, you you're exactly right. It's it's it saves it mathematically rather than sonically. So the the sound library is monstrous, but then the file that's created is tiny. It's like kind of like vector art, right? That that's yep. just math, and so it's very small and can be scaled. Um, and so the thing that's very different now versus um, you know twenty thirty years ago is that you have these massive libraries. And so these these, uh, figures that you just described get mapped to something that was played in a room with like 20 microphones, and you can choose which ones you're using. And um, so a piano might, a sound library for a particular piano might have thousands of samples. So it's not just like oh I played middle C now I'll record C sharp. It's that you play middle C and you play it with this and then you play it with this and right. so someone is actually doing all of those recordings and then we leverage that and and make something that hopefully sounds somewhat authentic.
0: It's truly there's a, there's a little bit of it where you know, if you go to Chipotle and there's like four things on the menu, it's really easy to go in, get out, get something good and go on your way. And then you go to the other place where it's like, "All right, let's break your burrito down 96,000 ways. We have more options than you want and a soda machine that can mix everything. And it's almost like too much. And I think with I've definitely had those experiences with media where I'm like... I'm sitting there probably feeling like Brian Wilson on day 30 of not leaving his bed, just twisting uh-huh. knobs and just being like, no one's heard this shit before. <laughs> like, <clears throat> the yeah. restraint you showed on your album. Like, I mean, it wasn't until those little moments where things felt were like, I think I I felt the Beatles influence a little bit. Like, okay. This sounds a little like, you know, maybe a little more electronic or whatever that it mm-hmm. really, like you use it with great restraint. Like it, it, it doesn't, it's really easy to, to let midi suck the soul out of something by having it just produce a sound that you you know like you said these are all things that are recorded in like a um you know in a really professional whatever but then when you start right. twisting knobs you can degrade the sound to the point where it just sounds like sure sure and um i don't know you really found that nice blend of humanity and um machine i think
1: well i appreciate hearing that um one of the things it's it's your soda analogy is pretty keen there i like that quite a bit the soda machine because um one of the reasons that i didn't ever really move forward with some of my earlier stuff and and it's it's for me now and not the world is that it was in a style that i'm now calling kitchen sink production yeah. which is oh i've got a thousand instruments i want to use them all
0: right but yeah, I got some of those too. <laughs> we'll have to have a battle someday. when we play those for each other and see who wins.
1: But if you're in a band or a string quartet, like you're you're limited. You have particular resources and you want to go as far as you can with them and maybe even push boundaries with them, but you scale it back. And so, um like when I do these improvs now on an evening, I actually have a template already made up where all the gains are set up and everything is the way that I would want it. But I have a template right now called Spring 23 Noodling, and it has eight tracks and it's eight instruments. And so I'm just kind of sticking to those right now. And then it might be a totally different one. So uh, like with this album, I mean, I, I'm never going to get away from having a piano, but Uh, the cello features prominently and and it's not just oh i want to hear the cello sound it's like this particular library that i have of this particular cellist what can i do with it and you said something of something akin to sucking the soul out right and and it's totally true because if you just take it for what it's worth and say oh but this is marimba i was using one of those recently um plunk 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 or you make subtle changes to it change the expression and so on and if you learn to play that instrument rather than saying i want to play number 20 number 10 and 256 and third you actually try to get better as funny as it sounds at playing this instrument that someone else recorded you can actually make it do some interesting thing and um so that's why i've kind of been spending time and restraint like you said with with a particular core sound and I, I think it um it ends up giving some more uniformity too
0: funny i, I mean i come from a sampling background because i a lot of the stuff i make is more hip-hop oriented and it's it's funny because a lot of that now when I, when, I, when i a lot of the things i make now don't have as many samples in it because i don't want if i want it's like i found i was betting against myself if i put up something out there with a sample in it and it did well then i'm gonna have a problem on my hands so mm. why would i put something out if i didn't want it to do well and if I'm putting the sample on it, then I'm just like, you know, which way am I going? But I think yeah. that it is interesting now that you can you can basically treat these, you can create a composition to then sample onto your. It's just it's amazing now what you can do. And and to that point, like sometimes when you do use a sample, you sometimes you suck the soul out of it, but sometimes you blow the soul into it. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I the nice. things coming in my head are maybe some of those like the the, the P Diddy and Biggie songs, from like the late '90s, where they really like like took these samples that are were probably pretty mainstream, but they made they presented them in this whole new way, and they had this new glean to them. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I always love stuff like that. I always thought that you kind of just keeping history alive, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, who, I love. Um, I'm sure you use the app Who Sampled, and see where everything came from yeah and the people out there trying
0: to find those samples they they got to go away because I got a few that um I don't want anybody to find (laughs) (laughs) on some of my tracks that are out there we'll just leave it that um
1: sometimes it's so much fun to 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 look up a track and then um um I was listening to uh G's and Hustlers the other day or a couple months ago and I said, "What the heck is that? The piano on that?" And I looked it up, and I don't remember the name of it now, but it's on YouTube. The original. And it's like this is the craziest, awesome thing. And I don't have that sample background, but I've always been totally fascinated by the ways in which in which they do that. Um, no skill at it except uh, for listening, and um, and so that that rings true with me for sure. I was, on- but I think yeah you make a great point about being afraid of success like think of paul's boutique right
0: yeah and like de la soul's three feet high and rising is just now coming out because of 30 years of legal drama and insanity and i don't know
1: and it's such a shame because it it used to be that that was an honor right to get your like if you got quoted on a jazz stage like that was awesome and in the classical period, it's, they did that all the time, and it was on honorific. But now, of course, it's it's about money.
0: I think too, and I I don't want to make this too racial, but I think there's also a part of it where it's like the people who seemed the most mad were the old white dudes. It wasn't it wasn't like I know Parliament kind of like probably didn't get all the money they should have, or some of these people, but it wasn't really them complaining as much as it was like the dude from. I don't know. There's a song Breathe by Fabulous, which has a uh, hook on it. That's a sample from, I want to say, Grand Funk or Steppenwolf or somebody. And he knew, Fabulous knew that song would change his life. And he had to give 100% of the publishing and everything away for that song because they did not want to release the sample. And they were like, you're crazy. And he's like, I'm going to tour around the world on this and have a career forever on it. I just, I can't imagine... I can't imagine what has to be like in your heart to go, no, I'm taking all of this if you want to use it at all. Like, like how precious do you have to feel about yourself? Mm. You know? I don't know. It's something I can't really I, I have trouble relating to. I, I have trouble relating to the mentality too of it's sort of to me is the idea that older is always better. And that's not something I, I typically and like people talk about, oh the Beatles. There's no one like the Beatles now. Well. You know, we all have these. This has better recording equipment than the Beatles had forever. We're in a different time now. There are people like that now, but you're grading them on the wrong scale. You know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And and you can't you can't unhear what you've heard. Everybody knows what that is. And so we're either building off of it intentionally, maybe, or we are trying to separate ourselves from something that is from generations behind us. Um, But that's something that I've always been really intrigued by is you can't possibly know what it was like to hear Handel's Messiah the first time. Right. Because we've heard everything since then. Um, And the
0: instruments that was being played on it too, like even you can't hear it as it was heard then. I mean, I'm sure to some degree you can, but it's still, it was um, a unique moment in time. yeah Yeah. um so for you what what really are your influences i mean i think you know that's sort of a very cliched question to ask somebody musically but you do come from having a lot of diverse things that you're into um i mean this album doesn't sound like it was made by somebody who was googling the samples from um g's and hustlers like you know recently like so what's the path (laughs) Uh,
1: um when I was um uh, I've heard something and I'm I'm curious if it is uh would ring true for you that the the music that you find um that connects with you the most is what was popular or what you were listening to that's important when you were seven. Seven. Interesting. And for me it was I thought out you were gonna perfectly. say what I'd
0: always heard is that people stop listening to new
1: music when they lose their virginity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting very serious, and this is yeah. what I want to tell you. No, no, no. So for me, that was 1984, 85. And to this day, I believe that 1985 is the best year ever for pop music, which is strange. Um, But, you know, I was listening to pop tunes at that point. Does it work that way for you? That would be like 87.
0: um, So for me, so my first three cassettes were um, Michael Jackson Thriller, which I remember was first cassette I I ever owned, but it wasn't one that I really asked for. It was one that and I got that when I was very young. And then it mm-hmm. was two of the most influential albums in my entire life, which is Licensed to Ill by the Beastie Boys and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I'm the rapper. He's the DJ. Gotcha. Yeah. Licensed to yeah. Ill. I'll tell you, man, for an album that even they and there, the Beastie Boys are probably the biggest all around influence on my artistic everything that has ever occurred in my life. And for a record that even they grew out of almost instantly. And to, to some degree, yeah. they never, they, it was always a put on. It was never really who they were. It still stands up the test of time.
1: It's great. It, and I don't think they and, ever
0: paid for the Led Zeppelin single on that. I just heard that recently that I don't think they ever paid for the Led Zeppelin single from on the first song. <laughs> like someone just I, told me that. And I'm like,
1: it's God, just not obvious. You know, it's just, no, I know. <laughs> maybe it's, no one got on. Really? Yeah. Wow. So what year did that come out?
0: 86, I believe.
1: Okay. So. Yeah, that was one of the very first cassettes that I owned as well. I, and um, I actually got it in my Easter basket, which is kind of weird because it says eat me on the cover, right? Yeah, but, I was just thinking that was eat me on the cover. I got it for okay. Christmas. And that was one of those things when you're a kid, like I knew there was something inappropriate about that, but you don't know anything right. when you're... Uh, I
0: remember wrapping all of Paul Revere in the fourth <laughs> grade in, in Reach class. And I'm like... In like, probably. grade yes it was like oregon trail then it was like me rapping and i remember somebody of yes. the class being mags they thought i was gonna get extra credit for it i'm like what is happening and i remember who well, that was rich. but i'm not gonna say their name
1: <laughs> he, he's, listeners he's part of the gifted program of his oh, God, elementary yeah. school
0: yeah it's
1: um <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, but, so... like,
0: do you remember like listening on the I, a lot of the stuff I, I heard was in the back of the bus it was people that were from your class playing Easy e in Two Live Crew and Beastie Boys. <laughs>
1: oh, that's another one, the Two Live Crew. Man, that was supposed to be like, so yeah. like it was gonna ruin the whole world. You listen to that now and it's just like- Though it's funny, so just pedestrian. this week it
0: came out that there's a, there's a, I guess in Atlanta years ago, there are these parties called Freak Nick or something. And it was like kind of Two Live Crew inspired type atmosphere where people were just letting loose. And now a documentary about those times are coming out. And there's people uh-huh. from those town times that are like, you know, a little older than us going, I may be in some of, some
1: of those shots.
0: <laughs> and they're like kind of freaking out. So
1: that's great. So True well, Life Crew isn't
0: done making people's lives not <laughs> tricky.
1: You mentioned the school bus. And I recently, I think some school buses in our town had radios on them. I think, I think like you it, think you're right. maybe yeah. the driver had the little transistors and, But I recently realized that or I've known forever that there is a period of um, music and culture that I can't stand and it makes my stomach hurt. And I recently realized that all of these songs were from my kindergarten year and I would have heard them on the bus when I couldn't stand going to school.
0: So what are some of these songs? Because I hated going to school, too. And I bet you're going to say some of them. I'm going to feel like a chill up my spine. I do well, very the, much remember our fourth grade teacher making us listening to "Wind Beneath Our Wings" in class, and I was ooh, just like, "Get me out of here!" That's <laughs> nice.
1: That's nice. Um, she was very mad that don't
0: that don't worry, be happy, beat it out for song of the year, and that's what I remember. And yet, I, I well, struggle a good with, song. Like, When my own birthday is, but...
1: that's a good song. Um, yeah, I like "Don't Worry, Be Happy." The main one that I'm thinking of right now is, and I the year might not add up, but I um, is um, Baker Street by um it's got that huge saxophone i think i
0: know what you're talking about it's
1: on the goodwill hunting soundtrack i think and um and every time i've ever heard it i my stomach hurts it's just immediate and i realized they that was something that i first got exposed to when i was in kindergarten and i hated it um so yeah songs like,
0: like that too i if i hear wonderwall by everclear I'm going to have to leave the room. And that song 100% really? makes me cry every time. I'm just thinking about because, it now. I can feel like the...
1: So you have to leave because you like it.
0: No, just because it brings us the motion in me. Like, it it literally, I can't okay. hear it without without it making me cry. Okay. And it's, um, it's just such it's a powerful... I don't know. And it's just... It's a song that I think sort of got lost over time and I don't even know if you hear it very much, but, and I actually got to meet the guy from Everclear once briefly and he was kind of a dick.
1: (laughs) Man, never meet your hero. Yeah, I I Um,
0: definitely, learned. that was actually the night that, do you remember, I don't remember this, I was at BU at the time, my freshman year, where Drew Bledsoe went to an Everclear show at the Paradise and jumped off the stage and severely injured a woman. And it was earlier that night.
1: Oh, geez yeah Did he was getting off that? the
0: tour bus and the t- show was sold out and there was three there was two or three young women i was like 18 they're barely younger than me next to me and as soon as he comes off you could tell he was just fighting with his wife and his daughter had was was so cute she was tiny with this fur jacket on it looked adorable and that the girls next to me go wow he's way shorter in person than i thought And he definitely heard them say that and he was not <laughs> in a good mood after that i don't he think it was like a good that... mood to begin with but it didn't help
1: oh geez so the um when when so when you were listening to what year do you think uh wonderwall was late 90s
0: uh, it was wonderful uh wonderwall uh it's the please don't tell me everything is wonderful now Da-da-da-da-da.
1: oh i thought you were thinking about you're my wonder no no it was it's who the um, heck was that
0: it was ever clear the people are saying like okay um I'm... going around around the west <laughs> i don't know you have to go google i, I can't sing
1: so <laughs> Um, well, then this this uh, mistake of mine certainly brings out the point that I'm that I'm making here that uh, in the in the 90s I thought that I was better than all of you listening to pop music um, you know because <laughs> I was I was getting ready to go to classical music school and stuff and so oh, I, was I thought really was, into...
0: I thought it was better because I thought I had better music taste I see what you're saying no. okay
1: I just like oh I don't have time for this and so now when I hear songs from that period like early college so like right at the cusp of the mid 90s i i listen to it and i get what i call a nostalgia for things unexperienced like yes. i hear the cram i hear the cranberries and i know i was supposed to be making out during the cranberries but i wasn't
0: Mac Miller gives it. me gives me a lot of that too where it's like he he was so much younger than me but when I feel it it puts me in this place I couldn't have been in and I'm just like what am I doing here I heard the cranberries today and I know exactly what you're talking about
1: <laughs> There you go Yeah so it's kind of fun it now I'm totally into I'm I'm open to everything and does everything click with me not necessarily but I I, I have no patience anymore for the the snob that i used to be um
0: that's a beautiful place I... to grow into too because i think i was thinking about this earlier is that i have been surprised at how some of my friends have turned i don't want to say socially conservative but that's not really what i mean but they have turned into the type of people their parents were where the um all oh, this new stuff sucks or this isn't mine and i just um i don't get that there's always new awesome stuff to experience when it comes to the arts and the music, and it's just like yeah. it's so easy to tear things down. But like, I mean, I have no shame that "Party in the USA" is one of my most played songs on Spotify every year, <laughs> and it will remain that go. way. You know, it's, there you go. To craft a great pop song is a really, really hard thing to do. And I don't care if if Freddie Mercury wrote "Bohemian Rocks, Rhapsody" by himself, and it took Britney Spears 97 writers to write "Toxic." <laughs> i listen to toxic more often
1: <laughs> sure sure what difference does it make and you can always find something even if you don't like even if you don't like say a song but you're subjected to it you can find that there's there's an underlying little part that you've never heard before and i i teach a um i teach this online music appreciation class at my church and I have people that are generation or two older than me in many cases, and they're listening to everything with a complete open mind. That's beautiful. And the thing that I tell them most of all is keep listening. You will find something here. And if you think you know this piece, you think you know this pop song, this time, listen a little deeper and hear that inner part that you never even noticed before, because there's always something to find. Yeah. So Party in the USA, maybe you've heard it a thousand times this year, but if you next time you listen to it, focus on the center, you know, find something that you've never heard before. And I guarantee you it's there. It's funny you're
0: saying other. that I have an interview tomorrow night and hopefully I'm the squid cut it up this for a reason it's canceled. But I don't know if you're familiar with MF Doom, but um, he's a rapper, wore a mask for years and Mad Villainy, which is this cover here, is essentially... The, the greatest independent hip-hop album of all time. And it's okay. very well-regarded. So I'm, I'm interviewing the person who wrote this book about it that just came on the Day Tomorrow Night. And Thanks. he's in the book, they talk about how that's one of those albums where no matter how many times you've heard it, you get something new. And the movie, Eyes Wide Shut were my favorite movies. Every time I see it, there's something, not something small new that comes out of it, but something big new that comes out of it. Huh. And like in Mad Villainy it's the same way. And there, it's always there. There's always like... I also have to think about too that, um, a lesson I didn't learn a lot when I was mixing, when I used to mix a lot of music is that you can't really do it with headphones on because your ears get tired so quickly. And like, mm. to re- like there really is such a thing as fresh ears. It, in like, to- both from a time perspective and from a perspective yeah. of your ears actually recovering. And yeah. the set and setting of music is so important. I became, as much as I'm not a snob of what I listen to, I have become a bit of a vinyl snob over the past year where I've just become one of those people, I'm like, ooh, but it sounds so good on vinyl. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. I don't know. I, don't know I think there's
1: something to it, but are you, have you ever been challenged on the argument to that, which is that when you put on a record, you're actually intentionally putting it on and you're hearing the album straight through and yeah. you're not just necessarily doing it in the background. And I think that critical listening that activity of listening is something we don't do anymore and i i think people before us did surely like before recordings you know you gather in the parlor and that was your your evening activity um but how many of us sit down on the couch and just say i'm gonna listen to blank
0: you remember from as a child, because I remember in, when I was a kid, I did have a lot of that experience. And my dad would put on records, mm-hmm. and it would be that. But that died off. Like it.
1: Yeah.
0: Did you, as a child, did you have a similar experience with music? For some reason, I I don't know how I knew this, but you have a jukebox when you were a kid. No. I don't know why I that's
1: wish. in my head. Maybe
0: I'm thinking of someone. You no, know, I know who I'm thinking of now. Never mind. I'm thinking of someone else from our class that I think had one. Um, but like, was music something that was in your house a lot?
1: not really uh to a at at a lesser degree than i would expect given how important it is to me right now if that makes sense um i was the one that was kind of like driving the radio in the car and and anything that was played in the house um my parents they owned some records but didn't utilize them much you know um when i was in high school um I started very intently doing uh, full score reading of operas and, you know, symphonies and stuff. So my mom always remembers fondly, you know, that I would lie down on the hall and, you know, blast uh, Marriage of Figaro or something and go through (laughs) the score. And it's something I still love to do today. I don't take as much time for that for myself, but um, yeah, they didn't really play much, which is kind of weird. They were both musical, but kind of lived in a quiet house
0: yeah i i think i must have heard um the eagles greatest hits sport by huey lewis in the news and the entire yeah. eric clapton collection like a million times and my mom it was michael bolton like i just really oh so much michael bolton so much time love and tenderness so much so you much
1: See, that's funny because um like my wife grew up on classic rock which was something that her parents kind of gifted, if you will, to her mm-hmm. uh, experience. But I have no connection to that. My my parents don't even get nostalgic for anything from the fifties, the sixties. It's really kind of weird. Um, yeah, I own sports. Um, it's a good album. I mean, it's still. I've it's- never. To this day, I've never heard the Eagles' greatest hits. It's my, it's the number one album in the history of the oh, world. Just go or hang something. out in a
0: dentist office for twenty minutes. You'll hear Desperado four times. <laughs> I just, I just had this. I used to, my dentist office I went to for most of my life up until I moved out here a few years ago. Um, they just every time I went in, it was the Eagles, and it was all of these songs that I just, rock. I guess I would call them. I love Joe Walsh. I, Don Henley is a different. So. That's true. What's
1: rock? I love and which it.
0: Which is a Simpsons joke, actually, too. Now that I think about I it, I don't remember what's rock. There was a reference to Marge trying to figure out what type of music she liked, and she and someone was like, "What's okay. rock?" She's like, "Yeah."
1: Homer's t- tastes are so weird.
0: Yeah, the doodletown he... Pipers.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got some strange ideas.
0: Yeah, and then um, the competent, the competent basing of something Matt Brewer or whatever—I don't know—that that that homework episode
1: episode was huge. I don't remember who who he's talking about there, but that's one thing that I always say. I always say that you too, the best part of you too, is the competent base work of Adam Clayton. So I've kind of taken that and I believe it, but twisted that a little bit. Now, were you um? Are you a Seinfeld guy too?
0: I love Seinfeld. Yeah. Okay, um,
1: once you started talking desperado i'm picturing yes wait wait felt too. On?
0: um i think i'm even more of a fan of him as a person to some degree if you've ever seen the documentary comedian that he made it came mm. out in the early 2000s and it made a huge impact on me i watched it there's so many little bits in that and unfortunately the end of it is the the big finale is him hanging out with bill cosby he doesn't age that well but like, yeah. there's um, there's so many little moments in that that I remember forever, remember forever. And as I've gotten older, more and more people have said the same. They're all, I'll listen to a hip hop album and I'll hear a little sample from them. I'm like, oh, they the same thing right there. You know?
1: Now, what is your take on artists and their art? Like you said, you're more of a fan of him than his work or however you just said that, they heard yeah. it. Yeah. Um, like I steer clear of, gossip and like biography and everything. I if I like a person's art, that's that's what it means to me. And I tend not to know much about who they're married to. I'm a big
0: memoir person. I most of the books that I read are like memoirs of people that I respect, um, that I'm really into. I want to hear more about their thought process of how they do things. But there's some people that I there's there's some I guess we call celebrities who like um like i have a pair of Billie eilish air jordans next to me i've never heard a Billie eilish song in my life but every time i see her i think she looks cool or I think they look cool i i forget exactly but like um and and it's like i'm cool with just um billy eilish being on my instagram and catching a few seconds every once in a while the songs but like i'm all in on what i know but i also don't need to go any further and there's some people who i yeah. just want to hear their music. And then, I mean, like in the case I mentioned, being the guy from Everclear, it's hard for me to bring up Everclear now without then finishing going, yeah, but I met the guy once and he's kind of a dick. And it's right. like that, you know, then as yeah. soon as the music isn't as good as it used to be, you're just like, oh, I'm already halfway around that that turn of of not being into you anymore. So it really depends. It's like sometimes things get ruined and sometimes things get better and I just got to kind of take it, you know, I mean.
1: yeah. I mean, I'm also someone, too,
0: like with Kanye, I was a huge Kanye fan. I, cannot like one of his songs comes on now and I'm just like,
1: And is that because of him, the person, or you think the art has changed? Him,
0: the person. Like there's one song in particular, like New God Flow with him and Pushy T, where Kanye's rapping about all this stuff that he sort of accomplished and all this stuff, And and it's one of my favorite songs by him. I listen to it now and I'm just like, but all of that just to turn into this? like all of what you're saying here is impressive and true but it was it all just to turn into like somebody who spreads hate like i just it's just a weird and especially for somebody who every step of the way in his career he always knew what was coming next like this video of him from like 2000 oh, Well, this is the next five albums i'm putting out and that was the next five albums he put out so it's hmm. like really was this the plan all along <laughs> like,
1: wow masterminded himself there
0: yeah, them themselves into a corner where I don't know, whatever. Hmm. So were there hey. anyone, is there any musicians who you're who you think people would be surprised that you're really into? For me, it's the carpenters. I just sat and watched this documentary on the carpenters, and, and my girlfriend I think didn't recognize who I was during that time. I was just like, rainy days and Mondays always. <laughs> like just
1: that's l- good stuff.
0: <laughs> you like that's the amazing. Christmas
1: Christmas album?
0: I'll take it all. I love it all. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think I think people are sometimes surprised because you know I'm dealing in church music a lot of my life and classical and teaching an appreciation class but um, early hip-hop is one of the things that I just adore and it's not that I grew away from it it's or you know that it changed and I had to get out or something I just started you know getting into a whole bunch of other stuff um but uh run dmc public enemy early 90s period public and stuff right here <laughs> yeah uh it's just it's just outstanding it really is that, like what they were able to do how they did it and like when i think about the things that like i'm trying to do now mixing and mastering and stuff and to be doing any of, them. I mean, not just hip hop, but anybody that was doing that without digital. Oh my God. It's just like, are you, sir, you're using scissors? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember really? like when I was young, listening to License to Ill, literally trying to figure out how they did it. And I couldn't, my brain couldn't wrap my mind around it at all. Like, and I didn't even understand what a 4-4 four four beat was at that point, but mm-hmm. like it, like it didn't make, I like, mean, how is it that perfectly, you know, quantized? It's just, it's, man into that music considering back then everyone's like oh hip-hop's the new disco it's never going to last that stuff stands the test of time like fight the power by public enemy is in some ways more powerful than ever you know
1: yeah yeah it's all just amazing and um i i think about the like you mentioned quantization and stuff like i'm not being articulate here but literally cutting things or literally spinning records and or and keeping a beat keeping a tempo so hard. like i can't possibly imagine it um but you know there's still people that know how to do that and boy do i idolize them
0: i was one it's of the just... first the last classes at bu that learned how to cut that i went to film school there and i literally had we were cutting the film and taping it back together and I think it was a year or two after me, they moved to Avid. And yeah. it was just like literally sitting there with reels, spinning them and cutting them.
1: And uh, what? And like, did you come up with anything worthwhile? Um, It seems like that was such a barrier to entry.
0: Right. Because you also, it was expensive. You didn't know what it looked like. You're using old equipment. And I mean, I recently, for a project I'm working on now, I was looking for old footage of myself. So I digitized my old stuff and I... You know, there's moments where you're just like, this is something that could have been cleaned up two seconds digitally, and <laughs> I probably lost a letter grade for it back then. And just <laughs> it's it's tough. It's um, you know, but it is what
1: it is. <laughs> so what do you think of using outdated technology for its own sake? In well, I did make day? my
0: girlfriend a mixtape on cassette for Christmas this year. Nice. so i do and it was all <clears throat> i have all these cassettes of, of songs that taped off the radio in the early 90s from like wzou nice. like little, like, yeah and it's like they have the little bumpers and stuff and like you know and so i made the tape off of that and i thought yeah. it was really a, a great idea and i think she didn't really get it <laughs> like i'm like oh it's a throwback but yeah. um yeah i i am a fan of um of of digging <laughs> these old things up and using them you
1: know yeah yeah i've never done that like like back in the day it was so cool to have the two the the double boom yeah. box and record to the a and flip them over and go to b and that was just a blast and then with every with every degradation it just got worse and worse you know what's um, funny about that i had but a i'd tape never do of, that now um,
0: i had a tape of george carlin I forget which which one it was. It was one of the two big ones from back then, maybe live in New York or jamming or whatever. And um, there was a part on the tape, the copy of the tape that was um got squiggly, and it was a joke that was that I'd never. I listened to the tape a thousand times as a kid, but it wasn't right. until maybe two years ago when I listened to it again on Spotify that I actually got to hear a joke from it. So so it was the thing I heard a thousand that's, times, but I, there was a joke that's still waiting for me.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that
0: only happens when you when you have crappy equipment,
1: you know. Right. But it, I I do love when you're accustomed to your old cassette, your old vinyl, and you now you hear it on Spotify or something and you expect to hear that pop or the skip that yeah. it, it, it's not there because it I was have on it yours.
0: To where um there are old mixtapes that I have or just random songs I put together, but even to this day when I hear one of those songs, my brain expects the next song to play. It's like, sure. oh, urge overkill, Sister Havana is over. So now I must be hearing Fugazi's like in on the kill. It's just like my brain is still there. And I, I <laughs> honestly don't remember what I watched on TV last night. Hey, like those old memories, they they stick around.
1: Well, I think a lot of that has to do with sound being a medium that it gets burned in your head. Yeah. Like smells and all that. Well, I guess probably all the senses are that way, but I tuned into sound surely yeah
0: so what um as we get close to wrap uh, wrapping up here what what are your future ambitions with your with your music i mean i like i said before i mean i want to hear what's next it's especially more for this conversation when i understand how you did this like what are you what are you working on
1: um just so keep plugging away okay. um it's still the big thing that i like to do is just kind of get kind of chilled out and do an improv session and then see what to do with it. Um, One thing that I've been doing now a little bit more of is with rather than just doing like 45 minutes, one chunk, one chunk, one chunk, actually, I'm like doing something. And then while it's still fresh and I don't even know what I just played going back and then doing a second line under it and Mm. And that's not really the way that I did this particular album, but I I have been doing that this spring. And um, there was um, just a few weeks ago, I was playing around with something, and I realized that it kind of sounded like something that I had done earlier. And I thought, oh, this is, um," it just kind of came to me, this is thoughts and prayers. And I started to think about the ridiculousness of a politician or anyone standing up and saying... I offer our thoughts and prayers. Yeah. And I started it takes a to a lot kind of, of balls some...
0: to do that in 2023. <laughs> I mean, it takes a- lot...
1: Everybody does it. Yeah, it's mean... still
0: zero balls at the same time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I, so I started to look it up and I thought, are, is it possible that these really are all, like everybody's really saying this or is this just some effect that I'm making up in my mind? And I found various articles that say- That they discovered or conclude that this or that person is just reusing old tweets and substituting out words. And I mean, what else can you say, but that still seems very crass. So I kind of am thinking now of all of these words, condolences, um, thoughts, prayers, senseless, these words that show, I actually looked up like politician tweets after tragedy. And just right. look through them. And if you made a word cloud, you'd get senseless and, you know, thoughtless and all these things. So right now I'm kind of playing with all of those words. Um, and eventually I'm going to do something with that. Um, these words, any...
0: like, they get used so much their meaning actually changes. And I think you see that now with woke, where it's like, you know, you can easily Google what, where that word started but right. depending on who you ask now that word means vastly different things there are people with very negative attitudes of that word who can't define it for you right and it's twisted what it means to almost everybody and that's it's a kind of a, a modern like when you can't change the facts you change how people feel about what's in black and white to some degree It's it's twisted
1: you know yeah and and so like with the word woke well, so few people like you said know the history and what it means and i mean talking about woke banks and like what like it's so much just doesn't make sense so um that's one thing that i'm working on right now and when this comes out and that will probably be in my rearview mirror who knows um but as kind of modeling as it sounds i know that there are some things that i'm probably not going to be able to do forever because of where where my life will be going and right now there are things in this things in this head that I want to get out there and um, so you know that's kind of the focus is just try to say as much as I possibly can so if it's a dedication to my parents so be it Um, if it's something about tragedy so be it like just whatever is coming out I want to get it down as quickly as I can. Um, Like I said, fingers don't work every single day. Sometimes they do. When it does, I just play as fast as, not not as fast as I can, but I just mean as copiously as I can. Um, Because part of the beauty of it, right, is that will always be there. And because I can then twist it and use it, if I recorded it in digital in 2023, and I still am able to do something with it in 2050. I mean, I don't want to sound uh, maudlin, but it'll still be there. I mean, it's <laughs> I think funny to mention. Really, I, really cool.
0: I recorded an album last year that's coming out next year once I'm done with this film project. On it. And the last song on the album, the first verse was recorded when I was 27, and the last verse was recorded last year. Like written in like, and it was sort of like, and it was the best verse I ever wrote back then. And so then right. I had to sort of match it and I had to get it done within two days because the guy mixing my album's computer was about to die. And he's like, Look, tick tock, tick tock. And it just came out. And I'm just like, this doesn't happen if you don't have this. It's it's probably one of my favorite songs I've recorded. But it's it doesn't mm. happen if you don't have this relationship with your own work, if you haven't felt comfortable with where you've been and where you're going. And um it is like like I, I really appreciate what you're saying is that idea of getting it all down there and just always having something to play with you know and i think you're mm-hmm. gonna bring me to tears you know when, again like, like there there it did occur to me though and i hope this isn't like too whatever question like do you feel that when you have limited time you make better use of that time and i i have felt yes. that and yes with my like i don't have And the way you regard i, I can only relate to that a little bit and then i do feel my body slowing down but like you do, do you feel like you make better use of it. Do you think mentally you come with a different attitude or
1: oh yeah. Um, w- without question. The to be 42 and start using vocabulary words like degenerative. I mean you it's not the, the first thing that every doctor says, every everyone's experience is the exact same way doctor sits you down, blah, blah, blah. I think you have Parkinson's disease. There's no way to test for it. Yada, yada. But we think you do. You're not going to die from it. You'll die with it. And it's very Mm -hmm. lovely to hear that. But what it means to me, and I I joke about this all the time is being 42 at that point, that means I have perhaps several decades to find out how interesting this is going to (laughs) get, you know, so I'm, I'm there as far as seeing the, the comedy of it but when you think about and, and most of our experiences of anyone who's not living our lives is fictional right so anytime that you see the fictional end of life scenario it's always someone who realized it too late right. but i mean i wish i didn't have this obviously but the fact that i do i'm totally comfortable with it now the thing that it gave me was to say, okay, you're not dying today, but someday you will. Everybody will. And you're gonna think about life differently. And yeah, I mean, every interaction means something. Every, every person means something. And it's um, I think about that that line in um in Brastoff. Did you ever see Brastoff?
0: I don't think so. It sounds familiar.
1: You've got to see it. So that it's it's uh, the movie that is quoted at the beginning of uh, uh, Chumbawamba, Tubthumping. Okay, yeah. So he says, um, "I thought that it mattered. I thought that music matters, but does it bollocks? Not compared to how people matter." And um, Brass Off is about a brass band uh, in England going through hard times, but that kind of sentiment is really the way that you start to live your life inherently because like right now I love music and I, I love the jobs that I have. I love all of these things, but they're really just things because people matter. Um, On uh, Easter morning, I was getting the church ready and we had brass players. We had organ, piano, everything is very exciting. Get a text from my dad. Will you please uh, lift prayers up for blank his best friend who had just died a horrible um, accident and I just immediately thought every interaction matters yeah because you don't know what's next and and that's trite and it's cliche but when you're able to see the world through those eyes as as I mean it's not like I'm special to have figured that out you you could have figured that out everybody can figure it out Once you do whatever the trigger was for it, you're gonna live differently. You're gonna live differently. I
0: mean, I'll tell you, I don't know if you remember Sean Fitzpatrick who recently passed away from, from Hoppington. And he was someone who had sent me nice notes off and on over the years, like just about my art and stuff. And I chatted with him a little bit and had other mutual friends, but never really got that time to go back and reconnect with them. And then Mm. it's just not gonna happen. And it's like, I, I do, it felt that pain in my heart when I, when I heard, but like, you know, I was glad I had those few exchanges, but like, yeah. um, yeah, everyone does matter and you don't know when, when someone isn't going to be around anymore. And it's, you know, it is, it does sound a little trite and cliche, but it's very true. I mean, it's, it's,
1: yeah. you know, one of the I big know. things it's hanging behind me in my office so that every time I'm on a zoom and work, everybody sees it behind me. It says, Uh, And it's been attributed to uh, everybody in the world. So I don't know who said it, but not me. Um, Be patient. Sometimes it says be kind. Everyone you know is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And for years, that has meant something to me. And I always thought that it meant they're fighting something and they're keeping it under wraps, like you don't know that they're fighting it. And that's true. And it means something still. But then when I realize that it also means they're going through something, and even if you know that they're going through something, you don't know what it means to right. go through that, right? So when, I, when I'm when i fumbling at the, at the uh, Cumberland Farms, because I've got the drink and the hot dog or whatever I've gotten, and trying to pay with the app and stuff, and I think about the people behind me, and I know that at times they're like what is this guy doing he's he's fumbling and he's acting like a jerk and i just want to like have a t-shirt with written on the back it just says i just need your patience like i don't need i don't need you to help me to the car right now i don't need this i don't need that i just want patience that's all and if we would all give each other patience
0: yeah i kindness and joy are two things that i think a lot about now that i don't think i ever really thought about like i mean i you know obviously i've always tried to be kind and but like i've never the way i think about kindness and joy now has changed a lot like to me like it's like kindness is an effort it's a practice it's a um it's i don't know in some ways the way of life and i think joy is something that if you're not that just that unbridled, the thing that tickles you in a way that changes you briefly is kind of the way I think about joy. It's something beyond happiness, something that literally takes you away from the moment. And those are such crucial things. And they I think they work in tandem a lot of times, too.
1: So. Mm. And it goes back to the mental health that we were talking about earlier. And I was going to ask you, is joy happiness? And then you said it yourself, it goes beyond that. Right, yeah. It's, it could be it's... happy today and not happy tomorrow, but it, I I feel like joy... Um, joy is something something to be like with you
0: right it's something to be cultivated it's something to like Mm. um yeah i almost think of it in terms of like how they say opportunity is like you know what is it persistence meets timing or whatever enjoy for me is something where it's like you've cultivated you've you've built yourself in a way that's ready to that's 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 capable of enjoying it and when the moment comes you can indulge it Mm -hmm. you know because you have to be i think at a certain it's like it's hard to to live a negative life and then have moments of joy pop in it. Like you have to be prepared for it. You have to understand the specialness of those moments, you know, and it can be a blizzard from Dairy Queen or, I mean, for me, this is sort of a weird thing, but for me, there was a period of maybe three years where every time a new Marvel movie came out and I got to, got to go to the theater and eat like an edible and like enjoy that, I was a feeling that I'd never, it was like, I can't describe what that feeling was like. And as time has gone on, like the edibles don't work the same way in the movies. I've seen all the tricks and it's like that feeling isn't there anymore. But I still cherish those like maybe six or seven experiences in the theater where I truly felt transcended in a way that I can't understand why all those factors combine, you know, but.
1: Yeah. And I bet you anything right now, when you watch one of those movies for the fifth time, you find yourself saying, I wish I could see this for the first time again. Yeah.
0: That's when right. you have to take strong enough edibles. You actually do get to see it for the first time. The I don't time.
1: need to take strong ones because I'm <laughs> such a lightweight. Five milligrams. All uh, that's all I need.
0: Yeah, but there were definitely ones where I came home like I love that. I don't remember any of it. I saw it again. I was like, oh yeah, I was loving that.
1: But, yeah. But man, no this doubt. has
0: been a great opportunity to catch up. Why don't you sell? So I so I caught your album on Bandcamp. It's called yeah. uh, Blue Wing. Correct. It is. Sure. Yep. By Rick C. Home. What is the best way people to, for people to find it?
1: that is that's uh, my preferred way um the individual tracks are on YouTube as well um, under at Rick Sehome. um but yeah bandcamp is where I'm all in
0: yeah and definitely check it out I mean it's um it goes down very smooth it's interesting it's full of little surprises and um you know and, and absorb the liner notes as well because it's um it's special and I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about it because now that I understand more of what went into it, both technically and emotionally it's um i'm looking forward to my next listen of it to sort of um incorporate some of that into it but beautiful it's beautiful man i'm really proud of you um it's and i'm I'm so glad to see that um you're doing well despite some of the setbacks you know it's uh, and there
1: will be more to hear from me so i can't wait maybe we have
0: some time back to talk about it
1: oh i'd love that thank you so much and this is great
0: all right man it's been a pleasure
1: cheers